Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 26 of the No Look Pass podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I am your host, Frank Santos, a.k.a. my mom's favorite son, who would like to congratulate all seven people who still watch baseball that the MLB is back in session. And my co-host with me in the Clint Flimmo with good. You're just going to kill Major League Baseball fans at the top of the hour. Uh, I got I got nothing aside from it's been a great season. Um, kind of sad to see it coming to an end, although I hyped for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, the playoffs is like a whole other season with how long it takes, but we're going to get into our show. We are going to go with while you were watching TNT. We're kind of going to work it a little different because we watched the Golden State Warriors, and we're going to tr- mm-hmm. sort of try and recap, you know, everything that they've accomplished. And then we want to get into the playoffs a little bit, some – but, we, you know, us, we don't like to give you that conventional, like, playoff talk, you know, what we're looking for, finals picks, anything like that. We want to give you some unexpected, maybe, playoff storylines, um, little creative things that we've thought of. But first, the outlet pass, we have to talk with uh, about Kobe Bryant's last game. For the last time in his career, Kobe Bryant will take the court and end his 20-year career at the Staples, Centers, at the Staples Center when the Lakers take on the Utah Jazz, who are in contention for the eighth playoff spot in the Western Conference. Uh, Andy, what kind of game are you expecting from Kobe tomorrow, for one, and what do you think it's going to be like in that arena with tickets selling for, you know, reportedly over $25,000 a piece to get to sit courtside to watch Kobe play? <laughs> the, the ticket prices are outrageous. Like, <clears throat> I mean, I, I get it. Sure, I, I don't. I mean, don't you people have some kids to take to the orthodontist or – send to college or something. I, I don't That's a lot of dough, man. Um, you know, yeah, I expect so Kobe to go out there. And, yeah, I, I, think, I mean, shots. The, the problem with Kobe is, is like, in a nutshell is, you know, you, you don't know, you don't know what you're going to get from Kobe. And I don't think it's necessarily because, you know, you just, I just think some nights he's actually on and some nights He's actually off, and it's weird to say at this point about Kobe Bryant because before, if he kind of would have an off night, you were like, ah, maybe he's getting a little rest, maybe you know, he's just something this, that, or another. But like at this point, it's a legitimate chance that Kobe just might not have a good night. So I think you know he's played some decent basketball lately. I, I hope he has a a crazy game against the Jazz and just blows him up. I would love to see fifty, but I, I mean, I I hope we get twenty, twenty five, twenty five. Twenty-five points from the Mamba. Twenty-five would be a great game, I think, for for the you know sort of the bon voyage there. But I agree with you that the the price is the price is just outrageous, and you know I I don't I don't really understand that why you'd want to watch you know a thirty what's Kobe thirty-eight thirty-nine uh, Kobe Bryant sort of limp on the court for one last time. But I mean I guess I get the. I get the nature of, of wanting to say I was there for Kobe Bryant's last game, but personally I would want to be there for Kobe Bryant's like prime game <laughs> rather than his last game. But that's just me. Uh, but I want to talk to you about that because this sort of transitions into something I wanted to talk about, and, and considering what we've been talking about, I might know your answer. But there was an interesting tweet from Jamel Hill who basically asked if you could sit courtside for one game tomorrow night, would it be Kobe's last game or would it be the Warriors going for 73? You know, this has been kicked around, and actually my stepson, 13 years old, asked me this same question this morning. He must have seen it somewhere. And at first I kind of – I kind of <laughs> – it's where I, I have him, I put him to work 
Uh, he'll be working in the mound room next year. But, uh, I, you know, at first I kind of laughed and said, oh, I'd rather see the Warriors. But I've thought about it all day, and we were talking about this as a question, and I legitimately don't know. And the reason, I mean, I guess my, my first to say I want to see the Warriors just because I'd rather watch the Warriors play basketball than the Lakers. The Lakers team is atrocious. But at the same time, it's I, I'm never going to see Kobe Bryant play again. I could see five teams break the record. I, I just don't know. Do I think it's likely? I mean, it, it's been a long enough time since, you know, the, the Bulls' terrific 72-10 and 10 season. So I, I'm torn, but I, I kind of think I've convinced myself throughout this long day at, to Kobe. I think I want to see that. I want to see Kobe's last game, even given this current state of Kobe and the current state of the Lakers. I, I, I want to see Kobe. It's it's a legitimate case because, you like you're saying, not only can you see a team break the record again in the near future, you could very well see the Warriors break their own record in the future. You know, you could see <laughs> sure. the Warriors themselves themselves play. Like, you're going to get another 10 years of Steph Curry and maybe even another 10 years of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green on the same team. And you're, you're right, you're, you're not going to get another Kobe Bryant again. But the, the thing that tips me to say I would want to watch the Warriors is, one, I don't really think – that another team is going to break the record because, I mean, there's not a lot of leeway left. I mean, if a team goes 73 and nine, or you really think a team's going to go 74 and eight, like that's that's that would be incredible for for me. I mean, to lose eight games all season, but the, the the tipping point for me is just how horrible the Lakers are. I mean, you're talking about a team that is dead last in the Western Conference. It's not like they're mediocre. It's not like they're a fringe playoff team that doesn't really have a chance to contend or anything like that. Like they are a terrible team. And just because it's Kobe Bryant's last game, I don't know if that really tips it enough where you'd want to go just see an overall bad basketball game when you can go watch a, a historically good basketball team play. So for, for me, that that does sort of tip it to the Warriors. But you're right, I think it is it is closer than, than maybe people give it credit for. And I have actually seen a lot of people say they would rather see Kobe. So uh, it, it's a very interesting thing, that, but it does sort of transition us into the Golden State Warriors, which is the focus of our show today. They are the focus of our While You're Watching TNT segment. We were watching the Golden State Warriors, who had a 3-1 and work week, um, two big wins, home and away, against San Antonio. We will talk about that. They snuck past the Grizzlies and lost to the Timberwolves. Lost to the Timberwolves. Uh, we already know the story, so let's just delve into it. Give me the rundown on this Warriors team. What do you think of them going into playoffs? And, and then I have probably more philosophical questions about them than Russell Westbrook has tripled up with this season. But quickly go into it. You know, I, I actually happened to catch all the games and just the anticipation that's that it's the Warriors, and they're, they're easy to watch. I mean, you know, I don't even really care too much about what we just saw because of the U.S. Oh, Andy broke up a little bit on me there, but, uh, you know, we're, we I, I really want to go into kind of what we saw, and I think one of the weaknesses that you see is sort of a Warriors team um, if you can say they have a weakness, I mean, it, it's sort of uh, a little, uh, maybe that's not a good word for a weakness, but you do sort of say, see that they played down to their competition. I mean, the losses that they've had this season, like a loss to the Timberwolves, a loss to the Lakers, um, even my Nets played them very close at home, you know, in Golden State earlier in the season. So that was one thing that I noticed, that they do sort of have that a, a little bit of weakness there when it comes to playing down to their competition. Yeah, I think, I mean, the thing with Golden State is the only real game where I just kind of saw them get beat because the other team was just 
better was the loss to the Spurs. Like that that one so? game. Yeah, so I, I think that Portland. one game. When they lost yeah, to Portland, Portland, I kind of felt like Portland outplayed them. But I don't know that – well, here's what I'm saying, though. I don't know that Portland necessarily played uh, a brand of basketball where they necessarily imposed their will because I think some of what they want to do is the same thing as Golden State. I think Antonio, they want to do it completely differently. So they right. – it was more – not more of a, a team pushing their agenda as much as Golden State not being able to work theirs whatsoever. And that game against San Antonio just looked like – the Spurs felt more comfortable. And that was kind of the thing that, you know, makes people raise their eyebrows. Like, the Spurs are on to something. And I think the, the Boston game, too, the, the most recent one, was a little bit of that same thing. But, again, I think at the, that higher pace is where the Spurs, that one loss that Golden State took there, it was just kind of like it was almost, you know, like the, the, the Golden State Warriors had been doing Molly all night and they were lost. <laughs> and the lights were flashing, and they had no idea what was going to happen. You know, am I a deer? Am I going to get hit by a van? It was just one of those games, and they shot poorly, and the Spurs just really can seem to control the tempo, you know, on both sides of the court. And I think that's a take, you know, to beat these guys in a series, but I, I just don't know. They, they look to bounce back too well. It's going to be nearly impossible to, to beat them. I mean, in a seven-game series, to beat this team four times is going to be an incredible feat if anybody can pull it off. I mean, obviously, we think the Spurs had the best shot. Um, the, the other weakness, I guess I could say, because we're going to gloat about the Warriors for about 20 more minutes, so let, let's just get a couple weaknesses out of the way, is they are turnover-prone. I mean, they do get a little uh, happy with the ball, especially Steph Curry, and I think in their losses, you do kind of see that come to light. Um, it, it's almost like, in a sense, I mean, obviously, you give the Spurs credit, and as you're saying, they kind of change the pace of the game, but in a sense, the Warriors can beat themselves sometimes and sort of keep these teams in the game, you know, and you, and you do see that in their losses, but um, aside from that, my first question is, where would you rank, because I'm, I'm assuming we both think that they're going to win tomorrow, especially Memphis on the second half of a back-to-back tomorrow, and then uh, everything going against them. Where would you rank a, a Grizzlies win tomorrow on, on the upset scale? Would it be like one of the most amazing upsets you've ever seen, or is it sort of like maybe too much expectations for the Warriors, so there is sort of a letdown potential? I'm, I'm curious what you think about that. I mean, and what people need to keep in mind is the fact that this is the NBA. This is professional basketball. Uh, Memphis beat up, uh, you know, playing the Clippers right now, getting beat on. Anything can happen, so I, I do want people to be prepared, but I, I'm going to be sick to my stomach, I think, if Memphis wins. Like, I... <laughs> If and it's nothing against the Grizz necessarily, but if I wanted to see a team spoil this, I didn't want to see it beyond the very last game, and I don't want to see it. Be, if it, if it was going to happen, it should have been you know the Spurs or something like that. But yeah, this, right. this would this have to be one of the definitely the biggest NBA upsets of all time. I mean, one of the biggest upsets in sports of all time. It's it would be. I mean, gut, it's it's gut wrenching to think about, and I'm not even a Warriors fan. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you try and think about it in the context of, of like you're saying, it is it is the NBA, it is one game. So I don't know where it ranks in the term of, like, we've had series upsets where, like, an eight beats the one seed. And I'm trying to decide if this would be a bigger upset than that because of everything on the table, especially when you consider the state of the Memphis team right now where they don't have their two best players. They are playing on the second half of a back-to-back, and they – 
I mean, depending on the, really the outcome of this game, where, where right now they're playing the Clippers, that really has a big factor in, you know, how much that game means to them tomorrow. Obviously, Portland is still on their trail, but, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's going to be tough for them to really muster up the energy to compete tomorrow. So if they do, if they do pull it off, I'm, I'm trying to decide. I feel like it would be, you know, maybe bigger than an 8 over a 1 upset. And I, I'm, I'm having a tough time sort of debating that in my head, but... I'm curious, uh, you know, how other people feel about that, and I'll be curious throughout the day tomorrow because I feel like that will be sort of a, a pundit story tomorrow, a question that may be asked. But the other question I have for you is um, the, the Warriors' dynasty, and I think this is going to be talks, you know, in the next couple months as they move further in the playoffs. But if the Warriors break the record tomorrow, which we both presume they're going to, and then they win the championship, let's say in a similar fashion to what they did last year where they were threatened sort of but never really threatened. You know what I mean? Um, is it fair to call them a dynasty even after just two championships considering if they break the regular season record and then go to win, have a back-to-back championship run? Nah. Can't can't do it, man. I've, I've, always, able to do it. I've, always, I've always heard three or more. It's got to be three or more. And some people – some of these real old school guys who will be like, nah, the nineties is whack. They, they got away with everything in the nineties. You, you, you couldn't even barely follow them though. They're even harsher on it. They might tell you four. So I, I think it's, it's one of those clubs you got to get into. And I have no doubt that, I mean, listen, if they manage to win three and four years, I think that that still counts. So I, I think they, they've got it Two sometimes can be like, I don't know. I feel like the difference between two and three is what really makes a huge difference in sports with the championships. And I don't know why, maybe that's just the way my brain works, but you know, you feel like some of those teams that just don't quite get to that third one, it almost seems like, you know, they go from being a great franchise on a great run uh, to a a dynasty. And there's, there's that different tier there. So no, I don't think two gets it done, even with the, the history factor. I don't think you're alone in, in that mindset of, of the three sort of being the number. Uh, I think the three and four years is, is interesting in terms of if that's a dynasty. I was just curious because if, if you combine, like, you know, the fact that they won last year in pretty dominant fashion. I mean, they were the one, the team with the best record last year, and then they went on and won the championship. And then if they do it, like, basically duplicate that but do it better because they're breaking the wins record for a regular season, and then they win another championship. I think it's you know, I, I don't know. I think it's hard not to not to at least have a legitimate argument that they are a dynasty even after just two years because, it, it, you know, it, it, like you're saying, it, it is tough, especially because two years really is a short span of time, especially in in terms of of of, of these other franchises that they would be going against, like a Jordan's Bulls or the Showtime Lakers or the Celtics, et cetera. So it's hard to kind of put them on that same scale. So I think in the end, I, I would agree with you. I, I think they'd have to win one more, but I think three and four years would, would be a dynasty, and especially when you consider free agency and all that stuff. So my next question, and, and feel free to, to, to have other thoughts aside from just answering my questions, is I'm curious about the Steph Curry MVP season, and do you think that there is another Steph Curry level? Like, do you think this is the Steph Curry prime or is there another level to Steph Curry that we just haven't seen yet that is that is still yet to yet to be shown, and that this is not his peak? Yeah, you know Steph Curry might be maybe the hardest basketball player to measure with traditional, you know, measurements because it's 
at his age, like his amount of years in the league, which isn't a ton, but it's more than people generally think of because of the first few seasons where he was banged up. You, you tend to lean towards, yes, this would be his prime, his peak, but the way he does it with the shooting and I, I don't know, man. I think I feel like he's going to get sharper. I feel like we might not see the peak Steph Curry for another year or two. Maybe next season, maybe the season after. I really do think he has a little more to come. I just think it's just going to be. I don't think he'll necessarily get any more talented. I think he'll just have his same talent level, have the same shooting ability, and just kind of sharpen everything else. If he, can, I mean, imagine if Steph Curry gets. I mean, I think he already has gotten defensive. But imagine if Steph Curry really becomes a defensive problem. Like I just. The, the sky's the limit. It's 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 really a good point, and you know, for me, I I think this this sort of this sort of is the peak. You know, I, I don't see how it could get better except except for like I talked about earlier, where you know the, the team as a whole has a lot of turnovers, and I think a lot of that is Steph. I think Steph gets a little happy with the ball sometimes. Sometimes he does. It, it's tough to criticize him, but sometimes he does over-dribble, even though most of the time that ends up being a successful journey for him. But you do see him kind of get a little happy with the ball, sort of trying to show off um, his, his dribble, especially when he gets – I find when he gets switched on, when a big gets switched on to him, he really does try to get a little nifty with the ball instead of just using his legitimate speed to get past the guy. And I think he does end up getting himself in, in trouble when he gets when bigs get switched on to him. But – I think it, it it would be tough. It's going to be tough for him to to do anything better than than what he's doing now. So for me, I think the answer is this is his peak. I mean, I think he can sustain some form of this peak for maybe two two or three years. But the one point that you brought up that that's really interesting to me is people forget that Steph Curry almost wasn't because of his ankle injuries. I heard you know early in his career there was like Brandon Roy comparisons where. You know, maybe yeah. Steph Curry's ankles are like his knee, and he's just never going to be able to stay on the court. And I, I always thought that argument was interesting because when you took a guy like Kyrie Irving, who was somebody that Steph got compared to a lot, you know, early in their career when they were sort of kind of both in that emerging class and we weren't sure who was going to be who kind of thing, uh, people didn't realize that Kyrie, Steph played more games than Kyrie, you know, throughout their career. Steph has played more games than Kyrie. And I, I always thought it was interesting how people use that argument for Steph, but didn't use it for Kyrie. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's an interesting kind of development in his career path. My last question that I have is sort of a random question: What do you think it would be like if Clay Thompson ever got his own team? Because I think what what happens when people when we get this level of success, you you see the Splash Brothers. I think people sort of try to think like, you know, is Clay only good because he's with Steph, or is you know? is he really just good? You know, you, you get that argument a lot in football, like with quarterbacks and wide receivers. Like, does, does Peyton Manning make Marvin Harrison great, or was Marvin Harrison always a great receiver who just happened to play with Peyton Manning, that kind of thing. So what do you think about Clay Thompson? Like, is he really just good on his own? Do you think he would be good on his own team? Listen, this is another conversation I was actually having with my brother uh, like a week ago. <laughs> and I, we, I, we I was on, on – Andy's family. And then listen, we I just had – this is what I do, and they hate me at my job because they're like, oh, he's talking about basketball again. And, like, I, I harass and hound rant people who don't even want to hear what I have to say because they don't even like basketball. But I'm just – I'm constantly speaking about it. But, you know, my brother and I were talking about it, and I was saying to him, you know, like, 
because I'm always analyzing everything, being somebody who does the show with you and we talk and stuff, and I'm sure you do the same thing. So I was kind of the one day sitting there, and I was like, you know, I think Golden State would be a hell of a team even if they didn't have Curry. And hypothetically, we oh. used uh, my current boy, your old boy. I just said something like off the wall, of like what if they had, you know, T.J. Watson? <laughs> in basement. A good, a good player. I don't even know why Watson was the guy we tossed out, but we went with Watson. And I said that I think that's just the fourth or fifth best team in the West. I, I think the OKC sneaks up there and maybe the Clippers. But heck, it might be the third best team in the West I, with, yeah. with Steph Curry. And that's just the dynamic of this team is so good. And I also said that I, I think Clay Thompson would be something like a 27, 28 point per game guy. And my brother was like, no, you think he's that good? And I'm like, he is, you know, he's getting 22 right now without, you know, right. with a guy like Curry on his team who takes this many shots a game. And, you know, I, and as I started, you know, looking up the stats when we were speaking, I was kind of talking myself into it. Yeah. I think, I think Clay Thompson would be a legitimate candidate for the best shooting guard in the league. Also, yeah. I think you would I mean, kind of – he's kind of the yeah. anti-James Harden. He's a guy who can fill it up, but he's going to do it in a different way. You know, he's uh, more of a uh, more of the smooth shooter, less of the mistake prone, doesn't dribble the ball as much. But that's one thing people don't realize is Clay can handle the ball. You just don't get to see him to do it a ton because there's a lot of guys on that roster not even talking about Curry who handle the ball, you know, guys of that nature. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's worthwhile saying I fully believe Thompson would be – We'd probably be talking about, you know, definitely one of the top three to five scorers in the league. I I tend to agree. I I, th- I don't think it's a fluke. I don't think it's. I mean, obviously, it's it's Curry plays a role. There's there's no question that anytime you know we talk about this constantly. I remember talking about this with the point guard draft that we did earlier in the season with Kyrie, and I thought Kyrie was going to have a great season just because it's going to be his second year playing with LeBron James, and I think you can't just dismiss that as part of a guy's development. And I think the same is true for Clay Thompson. He obviously benefits from Steph, but I don't think it's just a core reason why he's good. Um, last question, just very quick, yes or no, gun to your head. Do do they win the title this year? Do, do you think it, Do you think they win? Because I know you've been on record as saying that the Spurs are a better team, so I'm curious whether you still hold that sentiment. You know, and this is one I've wrestled with. I've been back and forth. We're going for the quickness. I'm going to say yes, Golden State wins. They've got my final flip-flop. I've Hillary Clinton enough. <laughs> All right. So I also think they win. Uh, playoff storyline. Unless, Bernie, unless the Bernie's playoffs. picking the Spurs, then I pick the Spurs. <laughs> my bad. So we are going to – we are going to move on to the playoffs. As we talked about Golden State, we think is going to win the whole thing, but that's obviously more of a common story that everybody's going to be talking about. Will Golden State win? Blah, 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 blah. We don't want to get into that. We want to get into more of the unexpected storylines because every year there's sort of like these little stories that maybe don't go as reported that, that we think don't get enough shine. So, Andy, give me one unexpected storyline that you think might come out of this playoffs. You know, this is kind of a storyline as much as it is a question, and it was something I was – uh, you know, I was talking to you earlier, thinking about to <clears throat> what to come up with, and this was one I was I was thinking in my head yesterday. Is I'm really interested, and I can't wait to see the the narrative of who is the third best team in the Eastern Conference because I really don't have any idea right now. I need questions answered. I'm going to send out my tactical team, and we're going to figure this out because I know Cleveland, you know, the best, and I know Toronto's number two, but I don't know, you know. If, 
Charlotte, Miami. What, what team is the third best team in in the East? And I'm I'm baffled. I can't come up with the answer, and and I need to know. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that was your question because one of my well, actually, two of my storylines are, so, are sort of related to that. So, my first unexpected storyline is the Eastern Conference point guards. So, I think one of these three point guards is going to have a national coming out party, sort of similar to Lamarcus Aldridge a few years back. If you remember, Lamarcus Aldridge had a giant playoff series with Portland. And because nobody actually watched Portland play before the playoffs, they were like, oh, wow, this guy's pretty good. And all of us that actually watched basketball were like, yeah, that's Lamarcus Aldridge. You don't know who that is. He's pretty, <laughs> he's pretty damn good. He kind of does his basketball thing pretty well. Uh, but my money's on Reggie Jackson. I think Reggie Jackson is going to have a giant series um, against Cleveland. I think Detroit is officially the eighth seed now. So I think Reggie Jackson is going to light Kyrie Irving up. That's sort of my hot take. Um but I also think um, Isaiah Thomas is, is a candidate to do that. And also Kemba Walker, who, you know, Charlotte is, is a team that you touched on that might be sort of that other, that, that third best team. You know, it's, it's going to be the, the second round of the Eastern Conference is going to be pretty interesting to kind of see who comes out to face Toronto and Cleveland, assuming that they're winning their first round series. So I think those three guys are sort of uh, three guys to keep an eye on. And then I'm going to combine that with what you what you said about the third best team, because I think the Miami Heat are the mystery team in the Eastern Conference. Um, and I think a possible second round reunion between Miami and Cleveland is going to be a nice little storyline. This might be the Dwayne Wade like final stand. And I think that's a very, very interesting storyline. Um, and if there's going to be, because I'm on record as saying that Cleveland is going to be down in a series at some point in this playoffs before the finals. I think they're going to be down 2 1, 3 2, into a game six, that kind of thing. I think they end up persevering, but I think Miami might be that team, and especially with a Dwayne Wade sort of reunion with LeBron James, I think that'll be a very interesting storyline. Joe Johnson had a solid game tonight. I, I'm interested in that. Yeah. And it's funny, I just want to say that I think it's hilarious that you went with the guard thing because I honestly was thinking along those same lines who was going to have the bigger like show out, but I was Thomas, um, Kemba Walker, and then I couldn't, like, figure out who the third – I actually was disrespecting Reggie Jackson. My bad, Reg. I was just trying to figure out a way to make Kyle Lowry fit into that box, but I was like, ah, he's already, like, way better than these guys. So I, the, Kemba has been terrific, uh, especially to end the season. Isaiah Thomas has been there all year. I think – I was just looking at things earlier. The East is just, like, so much more interesting playoff-wise in the first round than, than the West is to me, and it's crazy Absolutely. coming off the, the last couple of years of how good the first round has been in the West. Remember that Portland-Houston first round two years ago? Man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I, I think the reason for your Reggie Jackson hate is because you've been hanging out with your boy Russell Westbrook too long, who clearly has some Reggie Jackson disrespect in his arsenal <laughs> yeah. along with Kevin Durant. So on that point of – of those two, I think another interest, interesting storyline. The other one I had was the Lance Stevenson Matt Barnes revenge series against the Clippers between the Memphis Grizzlies, but we're going to kind of skip that a little bit because the one I really want to get into because we're kind of running out of time is the OKC LA Clippers. Sort of those two teams, um, if they each lose before the conference finals, assuming that we have a San Antonio Golden State showdown in the Western Conference Finals, like we imagine that we're going to. I'm curious what happens to those teams because I think if those teams don't reach the conference finals respectively, I think each team has the potential to sort of blow it up. And, you know, Kevin Durant leaving, Blake Griffin getting traded or whatever. Um, So I'm interested to see kind of what happens if those teams don't really uh, live up to their potential. Okay, season the hot seat, I think personally. I I feel like this is – 
there's no there's no more Scott Brooks to blame. We don't have him anymore. He can't be the scapegoat. Right. He's not your guy. He's not here. Uh, you know, that's A for me. B is this is the best that I've seen that roster. People can keep talking about when Harden was on the team and how stupid they were to get rid of Harden, and, you know, that is whatever. I, I never personally loved the dynamic of all three of those guys on the same roster. But I, I think now, the, you know, with Dennis Canner and Steven Adams playing the way he is and Serge and Russ and, you know, the, the rookie Payne, like they, they just, that team is just too good. KD being the anchor, they've, they've got to do something. The Clippers, I think they'll keep doing what they've done every year. They'll make some sort of excuse. It'll be Blake Griffin missed so much time. And I, I just feel like that. I feel like L.A. is almost content, the L.A. Clippers, almost content with being the little brothers in L.A. And they just instead of fix it, yep. they're just going to be like, ah, we'll be, we'll be all right. Chris Paul is never going to get old. Exactly, and I think the Clippers are probably more inept to, to maybe blow it up uh, at the end. But we're going to move on to the end of our show. Every week, somebody, as Jay-Z once said, we don't believe you need more people. Andy, quickly, who needed more people this week? At first, I thought it was uh, T-Mac, my boy T-Mac, but then I quickly realized it was really Robert Ory because he then went on, after disrespecting T-Mac with the ring thing, he went on to say that he was like the most clutch athlete of all time. This guy... He needs to check in with, like, Dennis Rodman and Charlie Sheen. Crazy. Yeah, uh, he definitely needed more people. I went with uh, my man. Uh, actually, I went with the whole team. I went with the Washington Wizards bobblehead makers. It was John Wall bobblehead night. I don't know if you saw this. And they gave my man John Wall a 70s, 70s facial hair and lazy eye. You can mess up a Marcin Gortat maybe bobblehead because he's not really that – that important, but a franchise player, yo, it's time for y'all to just go home. Just just like the Wizards, the, the Washington uh, bobblehead makers, uh, they just need to go home. Well, we yo. don't believe you. You need more people. And that is the end of our show. We would like for you to join us next week on our journey around the NBA, but we will close like we always do with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like basketball at the bar. Sometimes better to pass without looking. With that, we bid you good night. <laughs>